Hello, you're listening to Wolves Radio. I'm Gemma Frith, and joining me this week and every week is Mikey Burrows. Mikey, it was absolutely awful weather when I last saw you. I nearly got blown away down pitch side. Have you managed to warm up again now? <laughs> uh, not quite, Gem, because I was at the under-23s on Tuesday at Hensford, a Premier League Cup game we'll talk about a little bit later on, but we seem to have kind of all four seasons yeah. during that match, including, by the way, a double rainbow, which oh, wow. I don't think I've ever seen before. I got a photo of it. That's how interesting part of the game was that <laughs> I was taking photos of double rainbows over the stadium. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's been a lot of bad weather and hopefully everyone's okay. I mean, there'll be people who listen to this who aren't in the UK who'll be thinking, what are they complaining about? That weather <laughs> is so mild. But uh, for for the UK, we've had a number of storms, haven't we? And um, yeah. it's made life pretty tricky. Yeah, I mean, I thought as well with the storm, I kind of thought a couple of days and then back to normal. You know, it'll be a couple of days of loads of wind and they'll be okay. And then even walking into work um, earlier this week, I was like barely on the pavement. I had to sort of try and keep myself standing upright. (laughs) The wind is still really, really strong out there. Uh, Even though, I mean, looking outside right now, blue skies, it looks beautiful, sun is shining. But I think that is probably very misleading. I'll get out there later and be absolutely blown off my feet. Well, it feels like the sun is shining on wolves at the minute. Mm, so. what, a, what a wonderful little segue, Mikey. Thank well, you very much. <laughs> it was another big win on Sunday, of course, at home to Leicester. Pedence sealing that 2-1 victory after putting in a fantastic man-of-the-match winning performance. Um, what were your thoughts on the game, Mikey? I thought Daniel Pedence was superb. Mm, yeah. um, I, I think he's been superb from the turn of the year, really. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you go back to that Manchester United game and... and there's something different about him, and Chris Oelamo was talking about this on Match Day Live Extra on Sunday, that at some point a, a player kind of begins to sacrifice himself for the team. And we all knew Daniel Pedenz had ability. We knew he had the trickery and the skills and, and everything that, that goes with it. And obviously there's always been the comparisons to Eden Hazard because of the size and, and the style of the way they play. But Hazard worked for the team. And I think the criticism of Pedence in the past was that he didn't necessarily always work for the team. Now it's quite evident he really is. He's tracking back, he's all over the place, and he's making better choices then in the key moments. And so I was delighted for him to get that goal. I mean, the first Premier League goal since December of 2020, which is remarkable really given his importance to the team now. You know, he keeps scoring in the Cups, he just couldn't score in the Premier League. Now he's finally got it, and it was a great goal as well. It, it really kind of summed up a game which I, I think we'll agree, Jem, probably wasn't the best Wolves have played mm-hmm. in the last couple of weeks. But you've got to give real credit to Leicester. You know, I thought Leicester played superbly well, and Wolves ground it out, stayed in in the tough period, got themselves in front, and then were like, that's it, we don't let this lead slip again. And that is equally impressive to me that there are now different iterations of the way this Wolves team can go about a game and manage a 90 minutes to get the three points. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting you say that because the other goal scorer, of course, Ruben Neves, with another stunning goal in, in, in the first half, very early in the game. Um, yeah, he was quite critical of their performance when I spoke to him at full time. You know, we said, you know, we agree that it perhaps wasn't the best we've seen Wolves, but he th- said that they didn't, he didn't think they were the better team and perhaps that actually... 
the, at the beginning of the season when we played Leicester, we were the better team, didn't come away with the result. And he thinks on this occasion, we weren't the better team, but did come away with the results. So it's, it's interesting to sort of see his perspective on that. Um, and I think with that weather as well, I mean, you know, to sort of hold on to that lead, to take all three points and in, in those conditions, I mean, it's definitely a big factor. I mean, they were really tough conditions, probably the toughest we've had this season. Um, trying to think of like the last time it was that bad, probably West Brom away last season comes to mind with that like torrential yes. rain for the full 90 minutes. That was, that was probably the only worst time I could think of since, since I've been at the club. Um, but, you know, having, having to do that and then face a tough side like Leicester, that's, that's, that's really, really tough, isn't it, Mikey? Yeah, and look, Leicester, uh, people look at the Premier League sometimes in terms of the table and assess things in, in terms of where they are. And it, there's no doubt that Leicester are having a poorer season than they have in the last couple of years. But uh, similar to us last year, they've had horrendous luck with injuries. You know, we lost Raul Jimenez last year. They've lost Jamie Vardy for an equally mm. long period of time. And I know, you know, I've got friends at Leicester who talk about him being the best player that's ever played for that club, let alone in the last 10, 20 years. And, you know, you look at their defence and the amount of players that they've got out. They're still a very, very talented Premier League team who are still in European competition and still have an immense amount of talent. Now, mm -hmm. we remember Adamola Lookman coming off the bench for Fulham a couple of years ago and causing Wolves all sorts of problems at Molyneux in a game that Pedro Neto eventually settled. I know you want to talk about him in a second. Yes. But, you know, so we knew that Lookman was a very talented player and caused us a lot of problems on Sunday. In the same way that, you know, Yuri Tillemans is an excellent footballer. I would love Yuri Tillemans to be coming to Wolves one day because he's <laughs> that kind of talent that, you know, that has ability to craft things. And, and the pass he makes for Leicester's goal is absolutely top class. You just have to, you know, that's so hard to defend. You can mm. try and pinpoint different things and defenders who weren't quite on their toes and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you have to sit back, Jem, and just go, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. You know, as equally as we praise our team for brilliant stuff, you know, and our first goal, by the way, is absolutely unbelievable. The, <laughs> the whole build-up to it. You have to give credit to the opposition when they do it as well. And thankfully, we have an excellent goalkeeper who made some really important saves. Yeah. And then, you know, our defence got to grips with it and we saw the game through. And like I say, Jim, like, there's an element sometimes whereby... As a team evolves, they have to learn how to win in different circumstances. And I think we've seen that. You know, at Spurs, they were brilliant, weren't they? Absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. Uh, at Leicester, against Leicester, you know, Leicester arguably deserves something from the game. But we saw it through. Yeah. And that is a big confidence builder. Yeah, completely different games, both ending in the same results. So that's really promising signs going forward. And we'll get into, get on to shortly the busy week we've got ahead now with, with two games still before um, before the week is up. Um, but before we do that, as you said, I have to talk about the return of Pedro Neto, an incredible ovation from the crowd and so deserved. I mean, it is absolutely amazing to have him back. Player of the season last year. I mean, his um, impact off the bench as well on Sunday was instant as well. So I'm really excited to see more of him in the coming games. Um, and, and of course, this was Bruno and his staff's first look at Pedro in a match situation. You know, I've seen a lot of him in training, and you know, I'm sure they would have been impressed with what they saw in those final few minutes on Sunday. Um, 
last week I know I said to you that this that, that Sunday game would have been way too soon to have Pedro back. That he was aiming to be back in the squad back in the squad in time for West Ham on Sunday, but he defied us all, was back two games earlier than, than predicted. Uh, he is just so dedicated and so talented. I know how excited he was to get back. So it is it's brilliant to have him back and hopefully we'll see more of him going forward now as well. Well, you spoke to him, didn't you, the, yeah. the other week, kind of just at the training ground and got a sense of, I guess, I don't know how much it was anticipation from him, excitement, you know, being raring to go. Because I, I said it on commentary, Gem, like people forget, like he had, actually wasn't around Compton for a long mm, period, was yeah. he? Like, you know, he was allowed to go home to Portugal to recover. Yeah, he did say when he was talking about the time that he spent in Portugal, you know, I said the sort of like how did you how did you find it out there and also why did you want to go back to Portugal and he was like you know when you're when you're in that situation where you've gone through an injury there's that there's the there's the mental aspect as well the emotional impact of not being able to do what you love what you work so hard for and in those early stages of his recovery where he can't be on you know out training with everybody he can't be doing the same thing as his teammates it makes sense for him to be back with with family and people that can be there to support him in those early stages of his rehabilitation so that was what he decided to do for the for the first part of the season. So yeah, we didn't see him at Compton until it must have been close close to Christmas, maybe. I, d- I can't be sure at the, at the end of last year. And then since then, he's been back at the training ground, working really hard with our staff um, to get himself back as quickly as he possibly could. I mean, even when I spoke to him, it must have been two weeks ago now, when he said that he wanted to be in the squad for the West Ham game. We were like, oh, that'd be amazing. But sort of looked at each other and we were like, that's a bit soon. I think he, you know, he's being very ambitious there. And it'd be amazing to have him back then. But he'd only that week that I spoke to him rejoined first team training. You know, he'd been training on the grass on his own, but he hadn't rejoined with the team until that moment. So for him to go from that to then managing to come on and play against um, against Leicester is just... It's just is amazing and really is an absolute testament to how hard he works and just how much he loves what he does, how much he wants to get back, how much he wants to play for this team as well. And, I, and it, it's just, it's so exciting to have him back. And you can see on everybody's faces as well in the, in the rest of the team when, you know, at full time, hugging him and, you know, picking him up. And, you know, he's, he's such a key part of that dressing room. And it's just, yeah, so good to have him back. There is something about Pedro Neto, Jim, that... Um it's important from a, a club and fans' point of view that now that Adama Traore has gone, you know, on his loan to Barcelona, he's not there week in, week out. You know, look, we don't know what the future holds for Adama, mm. but it's undoubted that Adama was one of those players that when he's on the pitch or when he's about to come on the pitch, there is a, 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 the strangest feeling sweeps around the stadium you can sense it that Mm. anticipation that fans start to edge towards the edge of the seats or you know start to position themselves if they're stood up to to kind of be ready to to engage with what's about to happen and and I felt that with Pedro when he was about to come on and when he was on the field and when the ball's at his feet and you can sense it it just gave everybody a lift and that was and I actually think that's really credit to Bruno and his staff mm. for putting him on because they could have put Trincao on they could have put other players on in that situation but I think almost sensing what Pedro can offer in that sense gave gave the whole place a lift mm. and we were able to go forwards because and I mean how good was it just to see him kind of put his head down and, and run <laughs> with the ball you know and he's backtracking and he's tackling in his own half and at the end, I so wanted him to score that one. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone you know, with did. With Casper Schmeichel desperately <laughs> trying to get close to him, you know, I, it was great. It was great to see him. He obviously 
you know, there'll be a, a huge amount of adrenaline that mm. will have got him through that game. I bet he was tired oh, in yeah, the last sure, couple of days. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't expect too much too soon from him, but it's lovely to have him back. Yeah, I mean, we're looking ahead to these games we've got this week, uh, Mikey. I mean, I'm actually going to be seeing a lot of you in the next seven days. <laughs> away at Arsenal on Thursday and then, of course, away at West Ham, back in the capital again on Sunday. Um, but sticking with Pedro for a second, do you think that he could be back on the bench f- for Arsenal? Do you think that maybe he would be left out for a game or perhaps would stay on the bench but not come on? Or, I mean, when do you think we might see him get his first start? You know, these are all the questions I'm sure lots of fans are asking at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have thought he'd get a start just yet. I mean, look, they, they, they've found a way to play at the minute, which is getting the best out of Daniel Pedence, as we spoke mm-hmm. about before. Um, and they have He Chan Huang back as well, who I thought had another really good cameo coming off the bench and doing a role for the team. You know, he's been out injured as well. People forget that we've missed him mm. for a good chunk of the last couple of weeks. So I, I think... One of the things that you look at suddenly, you know, when you looked at that bench on Sunday, it's like, wow, we've got a lot of players now. Yeah. Like, we've talked for weeks and weeks and weeks about the under-23s who've been making up the numbers and not having a full complement of nine on the bench. All of a sudden, we're leaving out good players yeah. from the match day squad. And, you know, Pedro comes into that mix. And that's a really nice position to be in. So, you know, you're right. In, in the coming weeks, there will be times when they might say, do you know what? He's had an awful lot to contend with coming back. Maybe we, we rest him for this game. Yeah. But, you know, they don't have to do that, of course. And, and that's just a nice position to be in, to say, you know, well, Trinkau didn't feature in the last game, so he's yeah. fresh. You know, and He Chan Huang has just been on the bench, so he's relatively fresh. And, you know, they've got Chiquinho, who wasn't involved at the weekend, who can come in and, and do a job. So they've got options. And options is a great thing to have. And we've been crying out for it for a while. (laughs) And here we are now. You know, let's enjoy this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and of course, it's important to consider when we've got these congestions of fixtures, you know, normally this is the sort of thing that happens around Christmas. But then, of course, we lost two games over Christmas. So it's happening for us now where we have these midweek games. And in in March, we've then got the midweek Watford game as well. So um, there are going to be some quick turnarounds, you know, with just three days to prepare for West Ham after Arsenal on Thursday, you know, it's going to be a busy week and it's important to have those options so that if those players need a bit more time, you know, Bruno has got the option to rest them rather than having to, you know, turn them around and and get them as ready as he can for the match. Um, But of course, the team have got, I mean, world-class physios and medical medical staff working with them to aid their recovery between those matches and get them set to go again on Sunday. Um, But yeah, it's it's good to have those options, particularly with, with the fixture congestion. Um, so, so looking at Arsenal, first of all, um, they're in great form at the moment and they got the better of us very, very recently, about a fortnight ago at home. Um, do you think things will be different at the Emirates, Mikey? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's different. Uh, certainly, you know, there's a different mindset and mentality when you're home and away for a start. And, you know, they will have to go out and perform in a way that, you know, they weren't, they didn't do at Molyneux. Mm. You know, coming to Molyneux, and letting Wolves have the ball and trying to protect what they have from an early goal. Very different when you're in front of your own fans who are expecting you to take the game to us. And as we've seen, you know, Wolves are very good at hitting teams on the counter, very good at exploiting sides who have a bit more possession and take the game to us because we have those talented forward players and some in reserve 
to go on and make a difference. So I do think it'll be different. And I think, you know, Arsenal now are in a position whereby, you know, there is pressure. They are the team that expected, you know, their fans expect them to be challenging for European places. Mm. Wolves fans don't necessarily, there are some who do, of course. (laughs) There are always some who do. But generally, we're loving this. You know, we are we are the team with a lot less to lose than Arsenal. And we're also a team in very good form. And, you know, you saw their celebrations. I know a lot was spoken about it after the game. They know how good Wolves are. Yeah. They know how big it is to beat Wolves. And they know that we'll be going there with a real sense that we've just beaten Spurs. We've just beaten Leicester. If we get a result against Arsenal and then go to West Ham on Sunday... Wow, are we in right in amongst it and you know putting the cat amongst the pigeons in terms yeah. of those teams who expect and need to be in European competition. So let's go there and let's cause a few more shocks and raised eyebrows again. Yeah, absolutely. The pressure is definitely on, on Arsenal rather than Wolves, I think, for, for this game coming. Um, and a win at the Emirates would actually see us move up to fifth in the table above Arsenal and above West Ham, who, of course, we're um, facing on Sunday. You know, we'd be on 43 points at that point, which would just be very, very, very exciting indeed. Do you know what's what's funny, right? And I had this thought when I was leaving the ground on Sunday. We've reached 40 points, right? 40 points is traditionally the target for survival. (laughs) and, And nobody mentioned it. No, like, no, it wasn't even a passing, like, joke to people that, like, oh, yeah, we're safe now. Like, we can we can relax <laughs> for the rest of the season. Like, because, because you know, like I said last week, the ceiling is is higher now than, than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so we're in this amazing position. And I, I always say this, you know, everyone has to enjoy it. You know, we, we got so close two years ago. I remember, Jem, we were at Burnley in the penultimate game. And we were 1-0 up. Raul Jimenez had scored a worldie of a goal. And we had a real dodgy stinker of a penalty given against us in stoppage Mm. time that made it 1-1, that meant that the trip to Chelsea on the final day was no longer going to be for a Champions League spot. Yeah. And the feeling that it had been taken from us to get into that top four. Oh, come on, guys. If If they can push it... All the way this time around. I know I'm getting carried away. I should. <laughs> no, it's. Do you know what? It's. It's good. I think it's. It's good to get excited and to to push for these things. I just get. I just get too superstitious and scared. I'm worried if I if I say this on a recording, you know, that we're we're gunning for a top four finish, then it will never happen. So I'm just trying to. Yeah. Just trying to just let it let it settle and just. Yeah, we're not saying <laughs> we are going to finish fourth, but we're saying that we're in amongst. The European oh, yeah. shake-up, and we are loving that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and also, to be on, on a serious note, if you look at the recent form of those teams in those positions at the moment, we have better form than, than, than a lot of them. You know, I mean, I think Man City are in great form. Liverpool are in incredible unbeaten form. Um, and Man United have, have, have picked it up in the last few games as well. But our form is better than West Ham. West Ham have really dropped points recently. Um, and our form is better than, you know, it, if you look at the last five, is is marginally better than Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal have had some great wins and, you know, it was difficult facing them a couple of weeks ago. But it, it's, oh, it's, all, it's all to play for this week. It's a, two very, very big games. And I'm hoping that when we speak next week, 
we'll have some positive tales to tell from it but we'll have to just wait and see what happens um but also on thursday all eyes are going to be on raul jimenez back at the emirates for the first time since his head injury in November 2020. Um, now, when you spoke to him, Mikey, for the Code Red documentary, he said that he has no real memory of that day or the match, but I'm sure it's going to be very reminiscent for his teammates and particularly the medical staff who will remember all too well what that afternoon was like, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny. He remembers arriving and he remembers that kind of walkout on the pitch beforehand. But he doesn't really remember much from it, apart from obviously mm. everyone's shown him the videos and he's he's seen all the stuff through it. You know, look, uh, I think it will be a poignant moment, but also it, it highlights the incredible work that the medical team did and the hospital staff did in taking care of him and then allowing him to recover, recuperate and come back and still be the player that he is today. And I think, you know, look, you know him as well as I do. You know, you speak to him an awful lot around the training ground. He's not the kind of character, and I know you know Daniela really well as well, and she'll be putting this into him. He's not the kind of character that would dwell on any of that, I don't think. Oh, definitely not, no. You know, it will be other people saying it to him. Yeah. And he would be like, yep, it's just another game. It's just what I do. And I think that's why he'll be okay. Yeah, definitely. I think his focus will just be on on the game, on on, on winning, on Arsenal. I don't think it, he'll be focused at all on on the, the the sort of momentous you know occasion that a lot of the press I think will be will be selling the story of on Thursday. You know, obviously fans couldn't be there for that for that match, but they'll be there on Thursday. So to be there and you know seeing C Senor for him, I think it will be um, it'll be a, a, an extra special moment. And then of course, yeah, West Ham on Sunday. Another difficult team to face. Um, you know, I, we can't forecast ahead too much for that one before, before the Thursday games even happened. But, you know, West Ham as a side, Mikey, what, what do you think are going to be our, our difficulties on Sunday? Um, well, again, West Ham are, are in that situation where they're having to cope like we did with playing Thursday, Sunday very regularly and having mm. European matches and everything that, that comes with it. So they have found it a little bit more difficult. They don't perhaps have the squad of some of the other European teams like we did to cope with it but you know they are still a talented side Mm -hmm. and they will they will know the significance of that game no matter what happens at the Emirates as far as I'm concerned Gem I've got two other commentaries I've got another (laughs) commentary to go before that you know I did one West Ham was very far away (laughs) yeah we're on Wednesday when we're recording this I did a game yesterday I got a game tomorrow I got another game Saturday and then we're at West Ham on Sunday so it's a long way away yeah. in, my, in terms of what my, my head is. <laughs> well, let's first talk about those the under-23s yesterday who were in action in the PL Cup. Uh, how did they get on, Mikey? So they lost 2-0 to Exeter. It was the final game of the group stage. Wolves had already guaranteed themselves progression. though They did need to win to top the group uh, and get a, a slightly better draw. Ironically, they would have gone above West Ham if they'd oh, done okay. so. Um, but they, you know, they... They struggled. The game was played at Hensford. Um, there's a, a number of reasons why we couldn't play at Molyneux or at, at, at Agborough, the home of Kidderminster, which is where the 23s would normally play. Um, of course, Molyneux is uh, being used for international fixtures, mm. which uh, I know you're very excited about. So we ended up at, at Hensford, and uh, I think everyone will be honest and say the pitch was nowhere near what the players are used to. 
and they found it really hard. And like yeah. we talked about conditions, we had all sorts of stuff going on. There was a moment in the first half where Palmy, Adam Bjornsson, our goalkeeper, uh, tried to kick the ball and it got caught in the wind and came back towards him and he came running out of goal and kicked it again and he got caught in the wind again and started coming back towards his own goal oh and the defenders God. had to come and deal with it. Um, it was only a short spell that that happened, but it was, you know, there was everything. <laughs> Difficult conditions, it. yeah. Yeah, and also it's worth noting that um, a, a lot of the regulars from the under-23s were being held back for the under-18s because they all are so young. The under-18s FA Youth Cup quarter-final on Saturday at Molyneux is a, is a bigger game than the final game of the Premier League Cup for the under-23s group stage. So, you know, there was a number of players who were being held back or just weren't involved at all. So we got to see a couple of other players who haven't really had opportunities for one reason or another. Uh, Rafa Naya came back in, uh, Pascal Estrada got a, a fairly rare start, and there was opportunities off the bench for, for two strikers who've had... Uh, interesting careers at Wolves, shall we say. Dong De Hay, who had a loan spell out in China and then has been back and has been recuperating from injury. And Faisu Sangare, who's been at the club, Gem. I think he, he came down from Manchester. He's Liberian by birth. Came down from Manchester as a teenager. Uh, went to Thomas Telford School uh, with a couple of the youngsters, as they do. Um, I think that was like year 10 that he came down. So, okay. you know, he's been around for a while. But he just had horrible injury record. Mm. It's been so bad for him. And, you know, it was nice for him to get an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do again. He might not get another chance for the rest of the season because, you know, like I've said to you before, there are players like Nathan Fraser, who's 16, who's coming through. And, you know, you, it's the unfortunate element of youth football that you get overtaken. You know, new players come through and, and they need the opportunity to impress. So... But it was a chance for him to get out there and do a little bit and see what he could do. The same as Dong De Hay and, and one or two others. And whether they feature again for the 23s, who knows? They might feature on Monday because all the players are playing for the under-18s on Saturday. Is that the next on the 23s match on Monday? Yeah, there's another game on Monday. Um, so that completes my uh, ridiculous uh, <laughs> seven or eight days of football commentaries. Um, but yeah, you know, so... It, it was a disappointing performance for some of those who were out there, some of the more senior players, um, but they'll have another opportunity to put things right in a, in a game that means more to them on Monday night against Reading at Agborough. Um, so they, it was a game, it happened. That's all we really need to say about, <laughs> about the defeat to Exeter. They'll move on to the knockout stages and we'll be covering that on Wolves TV as ever. Yes, yeah, please do keep us updated with that one, Mikey. Um, quickly, before we move on to women's football, both in Wolves and also international level, um, quickly, can you tell us a little bit about the under-18s back at Molyneux in the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup on Saturday? Yes, they've had a really good run in the competition. It's not often that we do. Last couple of years, we, we've done okay, though we did fall to Norwich, I think, to, before the pandemic started, kind of at the first attempt. But... You know, we've seen some good young players. You look at Chem Campbell now and Luke Cundall. You know, they were part of a team that had a little run and, and got experience of playing at Molyneux a couple of seasons ago. This group now, you know, they've beaten Salford. They've beaten Spurs last time out and they mm -hmm. beat them comfortably. They now face Brighton in the quarterfinal. If they can get through, they'll, fight, they'll face either Leicester or Manchester United in the okay. semi-final. 
and the carrot that is there dangling in front of them, if they win their semi-final, I think I'm right in saying the final would be at Molyneux. So that is there as a potential. Now, it has been years and years and years since we've been on this kind of run. I think you have to go back to Danny Barr and Jack Price for the last time we got to the semis. So that just shows you how long it's been. And they are on the cusp of it. And I've waxed lyrical to you so many times about the quality of some of these young players and the fact that they all play under-23s football regularly and they qualify for an under-18s competition. Now, there were more than a 1,000 fans there at Molyneux for the Spurs game. It only cost three quid for adults and two pounds for concessions. Get down to Molyneux, if you can, on Saturday afternoon and roar on the Cubs because they are potentially on the verge of doing something really, really special. What an exciting prospect! I, you know, to, to beat Spurs as well in the in the in the previous round is such a huge achievement. So, you know, they they really really want this, and yeah, if they can have as much support as possible, then they can really push them through that quarter final against Brighton. Um, yeah, one pm kickoff. If you're not going to London for the Arsenal and West Ham games, you know, you're staying up here in Wolverhampton. Get yourself to Molyneux. Watch some under-18s football and cheer them on to get them a place, hopefully, in the semi-final of the FA Youth Cup. Now, as promised, I must move on now to women's football. Wolves women were back in action in the Birmingham County Cup while we were at Molyneux on Sunday. They beat Boldmere St. Michael's 5-0 and Amber Hughes scored an absolutely phenomenal goal from 30 yards out. If you haven't seen it already, head over to the Wolves women Twitter account. It's been doing the rounds on social media. I think it was even picked up by Soccer AM yesterday yeah. too. It was really Neves-esque. It was absolutely spectacular, spectacular goal. Um, and that was just one of three that she scored on the day, getting herself the hat-trick, uh, Tammy George and Amy Dickens scoring the other two, which puts them through to the final of the Cup, which will be another Black Country derby. So we'll keep you updated with the details of that one as soon as we have it. But absolutely phenomenal afternoon for them. Um, and then they'll be back in league action on Sunday away at Nottingham Forest um, in the fight to finish as high as they can in the table. So much football. I know. Honestly, it's exhausting. <laughs> Exhausting. We keep winning at all levels. I know. So even the women's reserves are doing well as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's exhausting covering this football club. We need more help. <laughs> Everyone's just doing too well, too well. Um, but yes, we better rush off because I'm heading to Molyneux to see the Lionesses in action this evening as they take on Germany in the Arnold Clark Cup. We've also got Canada v Spain before that this afternoon. Um, it's set to be an incredible day of international football right here in the heart of Wolverhampton under the lights at Molyneux. Um, so yeah, hopefully I will see lots of you there as well. Bye. Enjoy.